Hey, hey, you know what time it is. This is your girl V. And I want to start off with sharing my week. It has been out of the ordinary. It has not been a typical week. So I've been doing a project this week. Some of you may know it, but there are a few of you that don't. So I used to do a lot of acting and and plays and have even had some experience with some filming, some short films here and there for fall, you know, for um, festival, film festivals, and actually worked with an executive team to actually make a movie. And we took a few years and did that. It was a lot of work. It was fun. So I've seen the production side. I've also seen or been involved in the acting side. And so I had the opportunity this week to do some acting. It was not a whole lot. I didn't really have lines, which was good because I am going to school. So my semester started and I was already trying to balance that time with work, working out and homework and now the podcasting and also making time to be with family and friends. If any of you know the how difficult it is to balance everything, then you probably feel my pain. Now I'm in a good place right now. I'm not feeling stressed out in the project that I participated in. I really wanted to do it. I had not done any acting in quite some time. And so the opportunity came up and it was one of those opportunities that I just couldn't say no. I would have regretted it if I had turned it down. So some of you know the actor that I actually was able to work with. And that was pretty cool. And if you're old school and used to watch those old Mexican blood in, blood out movies and American Me and all that stuff, it was in that era where this actor was pretty well known. He still does some stuff. His name is Damien Chapa. So I had the opportunity to work with him and it was pretty cool. He's a pretty cool guy and the experience was awesome. It was good to get back on there. And it's kind of funny though, I feel like my part really was just me being able to be in my RBF stage. <laughs> like, I just, guys, I was a bodyguard um, for this Mexican drug lord. And so, of course, I had to be a badass. And um, so I just had to be myself. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that was fun. The subject that I will be talking about this week is near and dear to my heart. It is a very sensitive topic. So before I begin, if you are the type of person that gets triggered when we talk about suicide, then this episode is not for you. And I would ask you to be careful if you do listen to it. I don't want anyone to get triggered, uh, but I do want to share some information. I'm not going to make this a dark episode because this is not about making you feel depressed, making you feel sad. It's just about being able to bring up and discuss a subject that in my culture is very taboo. We didn't talk about suicide. So if it happened in your family, it was one of those things that you just kind of were hush about it. We don't discuss it. If anybody asks what happened, you know, you he was sick or whatever you make up something but you just wouldn't say 
the S word. It was not suicide. So it was hard to even talk about that. So I want to break away from that. I want to be able to talk about that. And I know some people disagree and that's okay. You can disagree. That is fine. But for me, for my healing, I have to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I don't want to hold in secrets. I don't want anybody out there to feel like they're stuck or they're alone with such a heavy burden in their hearts. And I say that because suicide affects everyone in so many different ways. Obviously, the person that is struggling with suicidal thoughts, because we we know people or maybe we don't have any idea. There could be someone around you, someone in your workplace, someone that goes to church with you, someone that hangs out with you, someone that's related to you, someone that you see every day that you may not really know, maybe struggling with suicidal thoughts. And it's like, what are suicidal thoughts? Well, those are thoughts about harming yourself and also considering and possibly planning a way to cause your own death. That's what suicidal thoughts is. I know sometimes people will feel like they wish they weren't alive because they're going through such a difficult time. I have been there myself. But it's a difference when you actually are contemplating taking your own life. You actually think about ways to take your life. And I'm not going to get deep into the different ways you can take your life. I know for me, anytime that I do hear about someone committing suicide, and I have heard it a few times uh, in the last two weeks, and it breaks my heart. It makes me feel like, what happened? Where where could we have helped? Now, I know we can't blame ourselves for someone actually committing suicide. I know that we can try to be there for people that have suicidal thoughts and we should get them help. And we should stop being embarrassed if we suspect that someone may be suicidal because we do that. We don't want to embarrass the person We don't want to feel stupid because what if we're wrong? But the way I see it, I'd rather be wrong. And you can tell by the conversations that they have with you. It's okay to ask that question. Because you're not just going to ask it randomly. But, you know, if you have an established relationship with someone and you notice changes in how they act, how they talk, it's okay to ask them. We should not feel embarrassed. My thing is you're expressing a concern. Even if they get upset with me, I feel like I'd rather express my concern. I'd rather ask, hey, are you okay? Do you want to hurt yourself? Or, you know, are you planning to do something to yourself? I'd rather ask. I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather them look at me and be like, no, why would you ask me something like that? And then I can be like, hey, I'm just expressing concern. You've been going through stuff and you have changed a lot. And I just want to make sure you're okay. That is all. I'm not trying to offend you. I just want to make sure you're okay because I care about you. And you cannot control how they react. However, i rather be wrong about that than to not ask someone. And then they take their life. And my last time that I'm with them, 
I may have suspected something and then I'm going to regret not asking them, asking them. I rather be embarrassed or feel, you know, or I'd rather be wrong and have them tell me, no, I'm not thinking about something like that rather than to not say anything and they end up taking their life and then I feel guilty for that, you know, and I, I understand like it's one of those things like I know it's not anyone's fault when somebody does something like that, but we should be able to ask questions. We should be able to express concern. There shouldn't be anything wrong with that. And we should be able to reach out, you know, and, and offer help to anyone that is feeling that type of way because you cannot expect yourself to change a person's mind. Everyone has their own mind, their own ways of thinking, and everyone processes stress in their own ways. And some of us do struggle. I actually, I actually had a conversation with a young lady, and she told me it was okay for me to share this on my podcast. She rather not have her name spoken or her boyfriend, but she wanted people to know that it is a struggle when you have a loved one that is constantly fighting suicidal thoughts because it's a battle. They're battling those thoughts. And remember, I've shared in the past that your thoughts are very powerful and they can take control. And if you focus on negative thoughts, they will really lead you into actions and you will begin to act a certain way, speak a certain way, and do certain things based on those negative thoughts. I'm not blaming suicidal thoughts just totally on thoughts. There are lots of other things that are involved. There's PTSD. There is someone that has gone through trauma that has never been dealt with. There are people that have gone through something so difficult and they just held in all that anger, all that disappointment. I mean, there's just so many different things that can lead to something like that. I am not an expert. I'm not sure why people have suicidal thoughts. I just know people do have them. And this young lady was sharing with me and saying, I love him, but it's scary to think that maybe one day I'll come home and he will do something. You know, I will find him no longer alive by his own hands. And I felt for her because she um, was very teary-eyed. And she's like, I want people to know that it's hard for us that, that love people that do have suicidal thoughts. And the other thing that she expressed was that even though he started going to counseling, it seemed like it got a little bit worse. I will tell you this. If you have a good counselor, that counselor will tell you it, it might get worse before it gets better. Chances are that it's going to get worse before it gets better because we are going to open up so many things in your mind, in your heart that are going to be brought to the surface and some of those things may feel overwhelming. In my case, like my counselor, she's like, we will tackle smaller things and then lead our way to the bigger things because you're able to practice with the smaller things and you get better and your practice makes, you know, practice makes perfect. So as you practice these techniques on the difficulties, on those hurt areas, those wounds that you've had for such a long time, it prepares you for dealing with the bigger ones. You can't just jump in and 
expect to be okay overnight because a lot of the things that you have been through in life have happened throughout your life. So if you're 22, you've got possibly 22 years of trauma. If you're 30, you have 30 years of trauma and so on and so on. Because sometimes we think kids forget things. They don't remember what happened when they were six months, when they were 12 months, when they were two years old, three years old. I can remember stuff when I was four or five years old. It gets a little bit distorted because of some of the things that I went through, but I still remember stuff. So that's why I say, you know, it could be that many years, like however old you are, you could have gone through trauma. We don't know the effects. And there just been so many studies of how things that when you were little, if you were ignored and you didn't get the cuddling that you needed, um, the nurturing that you needed, it affects you in different ways. So there are just so many different studies out there. So that's why I include like, even when you were a little baby, a newborn, you know, there's things, there are things that affect children. So we got to remember that. And you got to remember that when you're thinking about yourself and when you're dealing with yourself. So you can't expect to change or heal overnight when you've had 40 something years of trauma in your life or 40 or you've held on to certain things that were part of you and part of your life for decades. You can't expect to change overnight. Your default is going to be your familiar and what you know. I say all that because I don't understand or know why suicidal thoughts happen. But what I do know is it affects all of us. What I do know is that when we have a loved one that struggles with those thoughts, sometimes we know and sometimes we don't. And that's why we have to try to establish and develop communication with each other. We have to observe each other. We have to notice when someone's actions change. They don't always turn into a depressed state, not into an isolated kind of environment. It's not always like that. Someone that struggles with suicidal thoughts or that is hurting could actually become a promiscuous person, could begin to act wildly, you know, go out and and do things that put themselves in danger, like getting too drunk, start doing drugs, they start acting out, and it could be because they're hurting and they're trying to numb that pain. Or you have other people that feel numb. So you can't ignore any type of change in behavior, especially with those people around you. They say suicide is preventable. You have to, of course, seek help. The person has to want to survive. And the thing is that our human drive is to survive. Inside each and every one of us, there is a drive to survive. And it's stronger than that of giving up than that of caving in despite the mental anguish, despite what we're going through. And reaching out and reassuring someone in need that they're cared for can make all the difference. Again, I'm not saying that if you lost a loved one to suicide, it was your fault, that you could have done more, you could have prevented that. No, by no means at all, because we don't always know. And I am going to share something very, very personal I have struggled with suicidal thoughts and this might blow you away, but it's the truth. I actually struggled with them when I was still in elementary school. 
that's when I remember struggling with them. I remember feeling like my life would never change. And this was after I had gone through some molestation. Uh, My father had passed away as well. And things just felt tough at home. It just felt like I had no control. And I'm a kid, so I really truly am at the mercy of the adults around me. And it just felt like a very dark place. And I just felt like, I don't even know how I thought of that. And I remember one day, like I got a knife and I was just going to stab myself in the stomach. I'm not sure why I even thought about that. I would always think about having a better life. I would always wonder why my life was so hard as a kid. So prior to having my son, and I had my son at a very young age, I think I shared with you guys, I don't think I've said how young I was, but I was actually 15 years old when I had my son. But prior to that, there were a few times um, where I had really considered suicide. Life just seemed so hard and I just didn't want to deal with it. And I did try again one more time, but that time the father of my children, he knew about it and and he helped me through that. But then after I had my son, it was different. It was like I had a reason to live. And I'm not saying like have a go have a child and that's going to give you a reason to live. But I stopped thinking so much about myself. But don't get me wrong. It was hard to raise a child at such a young age. Then as a grown up, like the last time that I felt like I didn't want to live, but I did not have suicidal thoughts was in 2018. That was a very tough, tough year for me. It was very difficult. And it was overwhelming. And I didn't have suicidal thoughts, want to do anything like that to myself. I don't want to harm myself. However, I did not want to live. I didn't want to deal with the pain that I was feeling, the heartache that I was feeling. I had all these emotions take over, a lot of depression, a lot of heartache, a lot of loss. I lost a few friends. I lost a marriage. I lost... The man that I knew as my dad. And I say that because I, you know, I've been really shared my story about my real dad. My biological father actually died when I was seven years old. He was murdered. Even at that, I always grew up with my grandmother and she had a boyfriend for a very, very long time, um, Eddie. And they were mom and dad to me. And now they're both gone. So, When Eddie passed away in 2018, it was really hard because I felt like a huge piece of my childhood died with him. And at that, I was dealing with a separation. I was dealing with a cheating husband. Prior to Eddie dying, my friend Amy had died from lupus. My friend Vero had died from cancer. My good friend Juan Carlos died from an aneurysm. And so those were really hard hits. And I just felt like it was too much. I couldn't handle it. It was just a whole lot. And the one person that I thought would always be there, you know, was busy, you know, having an affair with someone else. So he really couldn't be there for me at one of the very, very toughest moments in my life. But here I am, I got through it. And I give myself props for that. I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> this that makes me a badass. I'm sorry, like no, I'm not sorry. 
I don't apologize for being the strong woman that I am because I've been through shit. And I am proud of myself for that. I am proud that I got through it, even though I did struggle with that. And that's that's what I want to tell you. all Like it, it is hard. Sometimes we feel like life is too hard. And we're going to crumble and we're not going to make it. But guess what you do? There is a drive. The drive for you to live and to overcome is so strong in you. You have no idea how strong it is in you. And sometimes you just need that professional help to get it pulled out of you. And some a lot of times it's just we just didn't learn. A lot of times it's that we did not learn how to cope with stress, with loss, with death, with so many things, because in our cultures, and I'm talking about like a lot of minority cultures, I don't know how it is in, you know, white culture, but I can tell you black culture, Mexican culture, Asian culture, we are brought up to be so strong to push through. And it's not even that that's making you strong, because honestly, it makes you weak when you push things down and you don't deal with them. It's one of those mentalities like you got to keep going Oh, well, too bad. Life happens. Life sucks. And you just got to keep going. And we have to have dialogue. We have to teach our children and and even ourselves learn how to deal with different things. So I also wanted to share that I did have a brother that biologically he's my cousin, but I grew up with him and we don't really talk about him. But when he was 15 years old, he committed suicide. And I'm going to share with you how I felt. Because I don't know how he felt. Obviously, I had no idea that my brother was even thinking about something like that. I know that I, I knew that I had thought about it in the past, but I never did it. My brother never, ever once said, I'm going to kill myself. Not once did he tell me that he didn't want to live. Not once. I knew life was hard for him and his brothers. I had five I have five cousins that we all grew up together. And he's the only one that's not alive anymore. But I knew they had a rough life. I, I feel like maybe theirs was even harder than mine. But it is difficult for men to deal with stuff and that's why I tell you ladies like stop treating men Like if they're weak because they are trying to express themselves, you have to make a platform for them. You have to make it a safe place for them to share what is going on in their hearts and in their minds. We as women, as parents, moms, dads, as sisters, as brothers, as peers. And I'm talking about men and women because we're all guilty of it. The men make fun of the men and call them bitches, call them different names, call them wimps, make fun of their manhood when they try to express how they're feeling, if they're feeling any kind of hurt, any kind of pain. And us women, we seem, we look down on men. We see them as weaker than us when they try to express their feelings, when they're crying. We treat them like if they are weak and we make fun of them when they're trying to express themselves and then we wonder why they don't talk to us. We wonder why men don't talk. We wonder why we don't know what's going on in a man's mind because we ourselves destroy the opportunity for them to share. That the moment that they do finally trust you and want to share with you and you make fun of them or you bring them shame, you ridicule them, 
it's done. They're not going to try again. They're going to hold it all in. We have to do better. I remember the last time I talked to my brother, we had a big argument and I said some mean things to him and he was upset and I didn't realize how upset he was. Like upset in the sense that he was hurting and I didn't see it because we were so such hard asses. We we're such hard asses. And I didn't see it. And, and and I know I can't blame myself, but man, if I was smart enough, like now I communicate more. Now I ask questions. Now if my friends, like if I see they're struggling, they're down, I'm like, hey, are you okay? Do you want to do something? Because somebody did that for me too. When I was down, when I didn't feel good. Hey, come on, let's go have dinner. Hey, come on, let's go for a walk. I do that for my friends too. Something small like that. I could have just been like, after, you know, we calmed down, been like, hey, brother, you know, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a drive. Let's do something. And I could have all these shoulda, woulda, coulda. But at the end of the day, I had no idea. I had no idea that my brother even was thinking about something like that. He was so young. And it's very sad. It doesn't matter what age a person is when they commit suicide. It still is heartbreaking to everyone around them. You feel like a big piece of you is taken away. So if you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about taking your life and you feel like nobody cares, let me tell you what happens when you're gone. Your parents will feel like they failed. They will have a big piece of their heart missing. If you have siblings, they will blame themselves and they would wonder what they could have done differently. If you have a significant other, they will feel like they didn't love you enough. They will feel like they were not good enough. If you have children, they will feel rejected. They will feel abandoned. They will have to live with that for the rest of their lives. They will have to feel that mom or dad did not love me enough to live for me. You'll have loved ones, even friends that will question how good of a friend they were to you. Why they couldn't see the signs. And there will be so many things left unsaid. So many memories that could have been made with you that are gone now. The people around you will be robbed of those opportunities. That will be robbed of what could have been. You may be going through a difficult time. You may be alone. I don't know. But if you are, there are different organizations that can give you help. There's different things that you can reach out for help. You don't have to go through this alone. There are suicide hotlines out there that will help you. And I know that you may be feeling hopeless, worthless, and you may even think that the future is better without you and you withdraw from others. But let me tell you something. We notice you. We care about you. We want you to get better. We might not know exactly how to get you there, but we really, really do care. And uh, the other thing that I want to remind people, I'm just talking us in general, is there are some common triggers and of course mental illness like depression or substance abuse is one of those. A history of abuse or trauma is a big one as well. And even chronic pain or terminal illness. Those are all triggers that may lead or cause someone to have suicidal thoughts. The other thing that I want to say is suicide is a permanent decision. There's no turning back. There's no way to undo it. And if you 
fail at it in the sense of you cause brain damage, you cause yourself to now be in some kind of disabled state mentally, physically, emotionally, then that adds on to your stress. The other thing that we need to remember is we need to stop ridiculing people. We need to stop making fun of people that are having these suicidal thoughts that don't that do feel hopeless and worthless. We can't ridicule them. We can't look down upon them. We should have a concern for each other. And when someone is down, we should do our best to be kind, offer some help, express concern. And if it is something that, like if you really feel that someone's wellness is in danger, then you should call 911 for help. You should reach out and find them help. You should report it. If anyone tells you that they are thinking of harming themselves, you really should report that. And you might feel like you're tattletelling. You might feel like you're snitching on them. But what you're actually doing is, very well could be that you are saving their life and that can get them the mental treatment that they need it can get them examined and get them to a good place however if you decide that it's too risky to be a so-called snitch or to tell anybody um, out of fear of retaliation of rejection or being made fun of the problem is that if you worried are more worried about what people will look at you like than worried about someone's life, then there's something wrong with that picture. I know it's easier said than done. So some of you may not have heard of American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, but it is actually an organization and they do community walks. And we actually have one in San Antonio, and it's called Out of the Darkness Community Walk. And you're able to register. I'm going to set up an account um, or set up a group. And, of course, I usually do it in honor of my brother. And it's to raise money. Of course, we raise money in order to continue to fight suicide together. And I encourage you, if you have lost someone to suicide or if you struggle with suicidal thoughts... This is something that is for you as well. It's not just for people that have lost loved ones to suicide. It's also for those that struggle with suicidal thoughts. And this is something that I don't want you to be ashamed of. I don't want you to feel like I'm going to, you know, you're going to be put in a mental institution because you have suicidal thoughts. What I want you to know and understand is that there are people that love you and care about you and we want you to get better. And the only way you're going to get better is if you seek treatment. That is the only way you can't do it by yourself. And they're different colors. Um, They usually have beads out there when they do the walk and some people will grab more than one bead and the beads have different meaning. They have the white beads if you lost a child to suicide. They have orange beads if you lost a sibling to suicide. They have the green beads if you have if you personally struggle or have attempted suicide. They have teal for those that support someone who struggles or has attempted suicide. They have purple for the loss of a relative or a friend to suicide. Red for the loss of a spouse or a partner. Gold for the loss of a parent. Silver for the loss of a first responder slash military. Blue 
if you're supporting suicide prevention. So those are the different colors that they have. And some people walk around with beads and they have several colors. And you would be surprised to see that no one's ashamed to wear the green one um, if they have personally struggled or attempted suicide. And to me, I feel like that is a testimony in itself. That person is able to actually admit that they struggled with it or attempted it. If you do a Google search of American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, you should be able to see it. I can actually include the link on the show notes. One last thing I want to share about the event is I did um, volunteer a few years ago and this young lady joined me, but she was in high school and I knew she struggled with suicidal thoughts and had even spoken to her mom about it and her mom didn't really talk to her about it you know like I said in our culture it's just something we don't talk about where you're expected to just push through everything but what this young lady told me after the event because she helped and she got to meet some of the other family members and she heard their stories and they even say the names of each of the loved ones that have been lost they will go through each name if you submit the name of your loved one they have a, it's part of the ceremony where they will say the name of each of those individuals, those loved ones that had committed suicide. And this young lady was able to meet some of the families and saw the impact that it had on them. And it really made her think about it and really made her reconsider taking her own life. So, it does make a difference. Any little thing that we do does make a difference. And sometimes people do need to hear that. But of course, there are times where people really do need help and they are not able to get it themselves. And that's where loved ones come in, where we have to get help for them. If you are in a crisis, you are able to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And the number is 1-800-273-TALK. So it's 1-800-273-8255. And um, you can text TALK to 741741. Again, they do have a text line, a crisis text line. And you just have to text TALK, T-A-L-K, to the number 741741. And the event details for the Out of Darkness Walk will be on... November 7th, it's on a Sunday, November 7th, 2021 at the Nelson Wolf Stadium. It starts at 10 a.m. Or registration starts at 10 a.m. And the event is actually from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And there are contact numbers if you are interested. The person that usually does it is Ms. Bibi Rodriguez. And um, there is a phone number for her that you can contact her at and I also have an email so if you are interested in volunteering or just um, get being part of this event um, let me know I will also include the website on the show notes that way you can have access to it or you can always reach out to me and um, so again remember you're not alone if you are in a crisis please seek help please don't try to do it on your own and um, for those of us that are around people and do see a concern let's start expressing those concerns let's start talking to each other because of the pandemic and the quarantine and the loss of lives that we have all experienced 
and the fear that some of us may have as well, it has taken a toll on our mental wellness. So let's not stay silent anymore. Let's get the help that we need to get for ourselves and for those that we love. And also, I don't want to leave out very important people. September 11th was a day that changed all of our lives as well. So my heart goes out to those families that their lives changed on that day, as all of ours did. But I'm talking about those that actually lost family members on that day. We are with you. We don't forget and we will never forget. And just like that, we wrap up another episode of Voice of V. Thanks for tuning in. This is your girl, your voracious, your voluptuous V. And I will see you next week. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram. I'm under Voice of V. And of course, the podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify.